0: dead of night, as people sleep. That's when the spirits creep. As the bell tolls three, dark things take power. We like to call it the Supernatural Hour.
1: Welcome to the Supernatural Hour. I am back. I missed it two weeks ago. Yes, you did. But I'm here now.
0: So am I. I'm Tim. I'm Chad. I'm Raven. We've got uh, an impromptu sort of uh, episode for you today. We had another topic in mind. Uh, Scheduling conflicts happened. um, And so we're just going to kind of wing it. But we do have like a topic in mind that we're going to talk about. And it should be fun and somewhat interesting. Um, But before we get to that...
1: I actually... Well, you know what? Can I say something about the podcast while we're chatting about it? Say whatever you want. You know what? um, October and kind of the end of September are really, really busy for us. And so I know our podcast has been a little sporadic as of late. But um, hang in there. We will get through October and we will get back to super normal. But um, right now we're Supernatural Hour. And I'm actually looking forward to this topic, even though... um, It's not what we had originally planned. We'll do that one at our next podcast.
0: Yeah, we're going to give you two in a row because we want to do something special for Halloween. And that was what we originally had planned tonight, but we didn't want to do it without Lurch. Um, So we will be recording. You'll get two episodes in a row. And I know this year has been kind of like wonky with our schedule. Normally we're every other Wednesday. Um, I know we've missed some Wednesdays. Sometimes we have two in a row. And it's just kind of like a little bit of growing pains just because... My work schedule changed uh, about a year ago. I switched to working Sunday through Thursday, so right now we record on Fridays, and it's not always the easiest for us to all get together on a Friday to record. Um, we used to record Sundays, but with like I said, with my new schedule, it kind of messed that up a little bit. So I, I do want to apologize for the wonkiness of our, our releases this year. Um,
1: as, the, as things get smoothed out, our schedule gets smoothed out, but we still record.
0: Uh, so, having said that, let's let's uh, move on okay. to what we were going to talk about next, which is
1: which is our business.
0: Business,
2: business. We had some business. Yeah, we uh, we had a great uh, paranormal event up at an Ogden cemetery this last Saturday night. We had a, a lot of people and a really good time.
1: I thought you know that was one of the the more fun ones I've been to. All of ours have been fun, but this one was interesting. We had a little contest for a doll, and the doll was amazing. I had to buy one for myself. Um, but you push the little arm, and it sings this creepy song, and, and kind of walks around, and its eyes glow. And we told people we said, okay, as you're as you're doing your investigating, look at the headstones, and whoever can find the oldest birth date, you know, and take a picture of it, it has to be documented. will get this doll and get to take the doll home. Well, people were so... They wanted this doll. And people spent more time looking at headstones and investigating. Every once in a while, I'd be like, Okay, come on, let's go over and investigate. But you know what? Um, they were there. They had a fun time. And it was acti- actually quite an active cemetery. And... Um,
2: Great night, too. I yeah, mean, it wasn't the, too the, hot. It wasn't too cold. It was beautiful.
1: So it's, it's funny. When we were done and everybody went home as a team... Um, we met kind of at the front of the cemetery and you know we're just kind of discussing the night you know what went well you know what didn't go so well and and we didn't really have any didn't go well which was awesome and as we're standing there there was a building and we thought we saw some um some shadow play inside the building and so we were trying to debunk it as we're standing there and so um Alisa and I went around the back of the building because we had we had just seen a car go back there and, and kind of back behind were some some homes. So we went back to make sure it wasn't anybody walking around back there and um, As we walked back, you know, we were kind of looking in the on the back side of the building Well, we both heard this noise just to the left of us and we both looked over at the same time and I thought oh, you know she stepped on a stick, and the stick moved and made this noise, and then um, Elisa took her flashlight and kind of shined over there, and the stick that I saw that I thought that she had stepped on, um, I mean, there, there was a stick that she had stepped on, but it was not connected to the stick that moved, um, and we were, she looked at me, she goes, did you hear that? I said, yeah. She says, what did you hear? And I said, it sounded like someone took a step. And so we pulled out the dowsing rods, and there was a female spirit there, but she did not want to talk to us. And so, you know, we said we respect that; we'll leave. Um, You know, I think we kind of caught her off guard, but that was really cool. So it was, anyway. It was a fun investigation. If you missed it, we'll do it again, but not for a little bit.
2: It was a great night, though. It was a lot of fun, and there was a lot of a lot of activity, and and a lot of people that really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, investigations?
1: So we did a residential just a couple nights ago and it was, this was one that um, when people call us they usually will call us because there's issues in the home. Um, but And then sometimes when we're in the home we will find an object that has an attachment to it. But this time we were actually contacted for the item and um, it was an old, old Bible. Beautiful old Bible. Beautiful, um, from the late 1800s. And the people that owned it, you know, they said they didn't think there was anything evil associated with it, but there was definitely some energies and definitely some things, you know, the the family was sensitive. They had, you know, seen things and they had felt things. And they actually had, um, at one point they decided they were going to sell the Bible, And they had it in a box, in a bag, kind of back in their storage area, and they they brought it out. And as soon as they put it on the table and opened it up, you could just feel the energy come off of this Bible. And it turns out that in the home, there were the spirits of the owners of the Bible, the parents and the two children, which had all died in a relatively short amount of time back east from a diphtheria outbreak that they had back then.
2: In the 1880s. -hmm.
1: And then her, like the the woman in the home, her second great grandmother was also in the home. And the second great grandmother um, hadn't realized that she had passed. She'd had some mental health issues and, and didn't realize that she, she was gone. She she thought that she was just having life as normal. So we, we actually got her crossed over. Um, one of the daughters in the home had actually woken up and seen her by her bed one day. Um, and then the the family that was there related to the Bible. It had items in it that were personal to them. It had locks of hair from the children. It had a four-leaf clover in it. Um, it had a little piece of cloth in there. I mean, it had a lot of personal items in this Bible. And you know, so the family was able to, to talk to to them a little bit. And then it's interesting as we were leaving. Um, they put the, you know, they, they shut the Bible, the family did, and they put it back in the box. And as soon as they did that, I could just feel, um, it, it was owned by a pastor and I could, or a reverend, and I could feel him just kind of bristle is not the right word. A
2: little angst.
1: A little, little angst. And I said, you know, I said, I don't think he wants you to put that in the box. I think he wants you to display it. And the woman who owned it, she loved antiques and had antiques all over. And, um as soon as she said oh yeah we can display it I could just kind of feel him calm down and anyway that was a that was a fun one they were a fun family
0: now I know some of you listening might be wondering how is it possible for a Bible to be haunted and it's, it's quite simple really uh, I'd say 99.9% of the Bibles out there are just printed and sold in stores they're not blessed by anybody before they go out you might be thinking because it's like sacred text or you know part of a religion that it wouldn't be possible for someone to, or something to haunt that particular object, but
1: I mean, it had personal, it had very personal items in there, um, and also a haunting isn't always negative. I mean, a, you know, haunting—the way I define it—is just there's a spirit. You know, there, there's a spirit associated to that Bible, and it was, you know, there was nothing negative whatsoever. Um, it was all very positive,
2: and in this case, it was the owners of the Bible and and their children. I mean, it was. You know, it makes sense that that would be an attachment that they would have stayed with, and and this Bible in the 1880s had to be a very expensive Bible.
1: Oh yeah, it was it was huge and it was very ornate. I mean, it was it, you could tell it was old and it hadn't been taken care of at some point in its life.
2: And it was illustrated and. I mean, know. it
1: had it was your typical old old Bible. In the very front of it, it had um, like three or four newspaper clippings about these people that had passed. Um, It also had in there, you know, your typical old Bible with, you know, family birth dates and death dates and, um, you know, a lot of very personal information that people had written in by hand. And uh, it was probably one of the coolest investigations I've been on.
0: It was very interesting. So. Was there another one or is that the only investigation you had had?
1: Um, we actually went on a repeat investigation that Mike was the lead investigator on. It's one, um, that they, we had done a couple of years ago in Magna. Mm-hmm. And they were just having some of the same issues. Um, one of the, the telling things was on the mirror. We, at first, we thought it was a water elemental the first time we went out there. And we decided it wasn't. But on the mirror, it looked like someone had dipped their hand in water and run their hand, hand, um, horizontally across the mirror. And you could see where water dripped down. And it's like, okay, well, that makes sense, gravity. But you could also see where the water dripped up. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but water doesn't drip up. Um,
2: Give him a little background on this mirror.
1: So the mirror belonged to his, the homeowner's mother. And she had passed um, a couple years ago, several years ago. And then his father had passed just this last May. And...
2: And this was part of a dresser mirror set.
1: Yeah, it was part of a set. So, um, I mean, after, um, you know, doing our investigation, when they had done it before, there was actually a female spirit in the home that they said that she could stay as long as she didn't cause trouble. And she wasn't, you know, she was still there. We actually chatted with her a little bit. And then, um, so the thing that was, oh, and then the homeowner, he will wake up to water being splashed on his face, um... Water in his truck that shouldn't be there. You know, it wasn't liquid dripping out from anything. Um, just a lot of water. Turns out it was a Type 3. Um, the Type 3 has the hots for this guy. She thinks he's just hot stuff. Um, and he was uncomfortable with that, so we we kicked her out. She can't be there anymore. Um, but that was an interesting investigation, too.
2: Tell them about when you touched the mirror. That was an oh. interesting part. I thought that was very fascinating.
1: So um, you know, it was a very personal mirror to this to this family. And so I thought, okay, let's just see what the mirror tells us. And so put my hands on the mirror, and the only thing I could I could just feel kind of a, a very sharp pain in my head. And so I looked at the homeowner, and I said, I said, did your mother have any, you know, did she have a lot of headaches? Did she have... You know, did she have a head injury? You know, something, something with her head. And he goes, well, yeah, she died of brain cancer. And so I said, um, yeah, I, said, <laughs> I think that's probably an injury to your head. I said, you know, there's something about your mother. So when we got investigating, and I forgot about this part. Thank you. Um, her parents were actually still there. His parents were still there. This lady that had died of brain cancer and the dad. And it was interesting. He says they told me that when they passed, they weren't going to cross over, that they wanted to go to Kentucky. So, you know, we chatted with his parents for a little bit and they said that they had not yet gone to Kentucky. They were a little concerned about this type three in the home. Um, and we asked him, we said, do you want to cross over? And they said, no, we're going to go to Kentucky. So hopefully they're in Kentucky now. I don't know what you do in Kentucky as spirits, but
0: you visit Waverly
1: or Bobby Mackey's. <laughs> but
0: there's a lot of spirits in those places.
1: Now, I have been to Kentucky, and it's very beautiful, so I have to give them that. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I forgot that part.
2: Yeah, that was an interesting investigation. It was a great family, really, really um, kind of into it and attuned to what was going on. Yeah, they're
1: very sensitive, everybody in that home, so... And we've got a couple more in the works. We just need to get them scheduled. So, it's yeah, we've been very busy this month.
0: usually happens to a lot of the teams. October is super busy. Just, I think it's more so because people are kind of looking for that. They're looking for the scare or whatever because it is Halloween time. Right.
1: I think they're looking for the scare, and then you add to that. This is the time of year where it starts to get a little colder, especially at night, and people are spending more time in their home. And I think they start saying to themselves, oh, yeah, you know, we've got these rattles and shadows and stuff that we forgot about. Because in the summer, you tend to be outside more often later. And-
0: or you happen to see water running up the mirror instead of down it, you know. And you go, Ooh. Just, it's normal. <laughs> Everyday things that you, you start picking up on.
1: You start going, uh, that's not right.
0: Okay, uh, so I believe that was everything we had for the investigations and business.
1: Um, One last thing is we were going to have a booth up at the Indian Hills Horror Haunted House. We've been really advertising that hard and heavy the last couple weeks, but they have had to cancel that due to COVID concerns. So um, don't come to the haunted house. It won't be there. But if you go to advancedparanormal.com, there are links um, that will take you to some videos from past years. So you can go see what they did in the past years. If you want to see, if you want to see a good haunted house, and then hopefully we'll be able to get back to it next year.
0: Yep. Alrighty. So I know last time we talked about the movie Insidious. And we try not to do movies and stuff. We try to kind of bounce around up. with our, yeah, mix it up, mix it up a little bit with our topics. Um, like I said, this one was just kind of, uh, we picked a different topic uh, because the one we were going to talk about, Lurch gonna make it to. And we really wanted him here for that particular topic so we're gonna kind of do something with the movies again um, I do want to say I believe it was um, Troy Dunn, uh, one of our listeners said he really actually liked our last episode with insidious and how we had a different take on our review with the movie um, I know like if you listen to movie reviews most people are just kind of they talk about the movie and and the pros and cons or whatever but when we do our movie reviews Um, We're not usually doing something recent most of the time, uh, but we actually kind of like pull it apart and and talk about how things in the movie could actually happen in real life. And you don't really get that with other movie reviews. No. I mean, we we mainly focus on like movies that have to deal with ghosts and stuff like that. But this week we're going to mix it up a little bit, sort of, with the movies. Uh, We've got two things that we're going to kind of talk about. One is we're going to kind of talk about a little bit about our favorite... Villains from, like, uh, whether it be like a Halloween themed movie or, uh, just horror films in general. And then we also have a list that I found of nine, uh, horror films that are actually inspired by, uh, real events. Um, so let's, let's talk about the, our favorite, um, villains first. Uh, this is something Deanne really wanted to talk about, so we'll let her start.
1: <laughs> um, so, When it comes to horror movies, I'm a wimp, and I don't really like to watch them. That being said, I do like creepy, spooky movies, So, and this is going to sound really weird, but my favorite um, kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily the villain, but the the scary person, I really like that old Disney one, Watcher in the Woods, and kind of the the creepy person in that, I don't know that she's necessarily the bad guy, but she's definitely creepy, is um, Betty Davis. Have you seen that one?
0: long time ago.
1: Yeah. I think if, you know, if you were to say, hey, how did you get into paranormal, that would be one of the things, because that movie came out when I was little-ish, I want to say probably nine to 12-ish years old, um, and it's, if you haven't seen it yet, you should, and this really isn't a spoiler, but it's about a little girl that goes missing, and it, and it you know, kind of turns supernatural Um and there's dark, spooky woods in it. Um, to me, that is kind of the, it's a quintessential spooky paranormal movie. And it, you got to find it. If, if you can find it at all. I found it. I think I bought a CD or a DVD off of Amazon. You know, there's ago. a very
0: good chance that it's on Disney Plus.
1: Probably.
2: And there is a newer version of that, I believe, too. Right? Of Watcher in the Woods?
1: Um, I don't know. If there is, it will not be as good as the Betty Davis one.
2: Yeah. So you, if there is, and I think there is, I'm not positive on that, but if there is, go to the older version. Do
1: the older version. I haven't, I haven't seen the new one, so I can't tell you if I like it or not. I typically don't like the remakes. Um, but this is fabulous. I mean, Betty Davis, the whole time you're like, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? I think she's a bad guy because listen to that voice and look at those big eyes and, and, um, ooh, quintessential perfect. And it's great for kids because it's. I'm going to let my nine-year-old watch it this weekend. We're going to kind of watch... We're going to watch that this weekend, and she may sleep with us forever and ever.
0: Disney Plus totally has Mr. Boogity and Bride of Boogity.
1: I have not seen those. Are they good?
0: Uh, They're so cheesy. It's it's one of those that you'd file under, like, the so bad it's good. Um, The first one... The <gasps> like, only... Not Libre? No, that's just bad.
1: <laughs> Best movie ever. Not Halloween, though. So, um, yeah, so that, that would be mine. I
0: don't know. It's pretty scary.
1: Okay, your turn. Chad's turn for his his favorite movie villain.
2: Hannibal Lecter. That's a good one. (laughs) Silence of the Lambs.
1: That is a good one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins did such a great
1: acting
0: role on that. Well, I mean, he did awesome. He was in Red Dragon, uh, which is the prequel to Silence of the Lambs and Silence of the Lambs itself, and then the movie Hannibal. Um yeah, he, he did an amazing job on that one. I, I would like to say that's also my favorite. He's on the top, though. He's on the top of my list, but...
2: Yeah, I just... Uh, I It was just a very powerful performance, and just his line delivery and the way that he worked with Jodie Foster and, and that whole the whole mind game that went on in that. Um, you know, no special effects, and just total creeped out.
0: Well, and that line, too, where he said the... You know, he ate the liver with the, the fava beans and the canty and then he did the little hissing thing. That was ad-libbed. That wasn't actually in the script. Oh, really? But I know the hissing part was definitely ad-libbed, but I, I don't I remember if it was the whole fava beans and the Chianti. Mm-hmm. Um, that might have also been ad-libbed, but the, the the little hissing noise he made, that wasn't in the script. That was all him.
1: You know, it seems like some of the best lines in any movie are oftentimes ad-libbed.
0: Usually, I mean, if they weren't good, they wouldn't put him in. Right. So, it's... I mean, the, yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. He played that character very, very well. Um, uh, he did an excellent job on that one. Unfortunately, he's he's come out and said uh, he won't be doing any more Hannibal Lecter movies.
1: Aww. Um. See, those are ones I wouldn't... I mean, they're definitely horror, but they're not the blood and gore ones, per se. I mean... S-
0: yeah, it's well. I mean, in Hannibal, he does cut off Ray Liotta's head and start cooking his brain and feeding it to him.
1: Well, yeah, there is that.
0: But yeah, it's but, not the blood and gore.
1: But no, to, to me, his are more the the suspense and the and just this you know the the mind games and so I have seen that. It's been a long time.
0: So I was I've always been a big fan of the slasher films.
1: So you're saying that you and I will never watch a horror movie together? No, you're
0: saying that I'll make you watch them with me. Um, <laughs> No, I've always enjoyed uh, the slasher films because they were huge when I was growing up. Like the late '80s, early '90s, they they're very popular. And then into the '2000s, when you had like the the really gory movies, like the Saw movies, um, I've always been fascinated with movies like that. But like growing up, I'd have to say my favorite has always been Michael Myers. Uh-huh. And when you compare him to like some of the other villains in slasher films, like Freddy Krueger or Jason from Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, a lot of people would always ask me, well, why, why would you pick Micah Myers? Because you got Jason, who's this like, this strong, like big mongoloid, basically that just goes around killing people. Um, and then you have Freddy Krueger that, you know, kills people on their sleep. Like, Like,
1: is it real? Are they imagining it? Is he kind of, yeah, that's a psych, kind of a. Psychotic. So it's like
0: people are afraid to go to uh, afraid to go to sleep because Freddy Krueger will kill him. Um, the reason why I always pick Michael Myers over the other two is simply because he's never actually died. He's
1: still
0: alive. He's still alive. So Freddy Krueger, obviously, the whole thing is, is like he died in a fire. In some furnace room,
1: right,
0: and he's able to come back uh, as this weird spirit that's able to
1: all melted faced and creepy. Yeah,
0: burned face, and he's got the glove claw glove thing, um, and he uh, kills people in their sleep. Now, Jason, uh, the whole first movie is actually his mom's the killer, uh, but the whole thing is it's like he drowned under the the counselor the counselor's watch, and she was taking revenge on them. But like in every single Friday the Thirteenth movie, like Jason dies at the end. Same with Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy Krueger dies dies at the end. Um, In the Halloween movies, in the earlier ones, depending on which storyline you're going to follow, because they actually have like three different storylines on how the movies work. Um, You've got one, two, um, four, five, and six are all one storyline. And then you've got one and two, and then like seven and eight are all one storyline.
1: Oh, that's interesting. See, I've um, never watched him. So, I mean, I know who he is, and I've seen the pictures, but I've never I've never watched those.
0: But basically, in, in, the, in the end of all the movies, like in the end of the very first one, he gets shot off of uh, the top floor of a house, and when they go to find his body, he's just gone. And... You so know, there's
1: always that. He's still out there. He's
0: still out there, yes. Ooh. So just the way they've ended, like, every uh, Halloween movie, other than three, which is like Season of the Witch and has nothing to do with Michael Myers, is kind of lame, um what makes what makes michael meyer scary for me is that he's working and they explain it in one of the storylines that he's kind of working with like a cult and has like demonic influences kind of working with him um so the fact that he's never died and he's like got this superhuman strength and these uh, this ability to like stalk stuff or stalk, and he's only really stalking family members right yeah throughout the most of the movies they find out that uh Jamie Lee Curtis is, is like his half sister or step-sister or something like that, so or full on like younger sister. Um, but he's only going after family members in like the whole series. Uh, but that that's what made it creepy for me is the fact that he never actually died.
1: Oh, that's kind of cool. I, I'm actually kind of wanting to watch these now. Just oh, a, I have just all a little of them bit on Blu-ray, except just for the
0: newest bit. one. But yeah, might- for me, that's always been my favorite. It's just because he's never died.
1: I might text you halfway through one and go, "What are you thinking?" <laughs> I suddenly know what's wrong with no, you. No, I've been a big fan of slasher anymore. films. So, as cool. far as
0: like slasher films go, yeah, Michael Myers has always been my favorite.
1: Right. So you know, with this Halloween season, um, you know, we're we're based in Utah, and Utah still has pretty high COVID numbers right now, and they're kind of shutting everything down again. Um, so, if there's some of these movies you've never watched or you haven't watched in a long time. Probably not a whole lot of stuff going on. This might be a good time to get brushed up on your Halloween horror slasher sci-fi or not sci-fi psychological thriller movies. I think that's what we're going to be doing. And that kind of leads us into this list of nine movies that actually were based on real events. And as I was looking through this, I was kind of... Some of them I wasn't surprised at, but some I was like, are you kidding me? Um, And, you know, Hollywood, they're they're very loosely based sometimes, but even, even knowing that they're loosely based, and I'm actually going to start this off if that's okay. Um, yeah, because
0: I think I think what I just talked about is kind of a great segue into this list because it is. one of the characters that I talked about just recently was Freddy Krueger.
1: So, so yeah, the first one on the list is A Nightmare on Elm Street, and um, it was made in 1984, and I have to tell you, the first time I watched this, um, I would have been 14 years old. So I was with a bunch of friends. I was two shush so um <laughs> so we were actually watching this i think we we're watching it in the middle of the day it's not like we were even watching it at night and there was probably six or seven of us and we were um in kind of a, a big family room area and the door um, to the garage went out into you know from this room and the couch i was sitting on was literally two inches away from the store that went out to the garage. And as we started watching this movie, um, my friend's mom came down and, and she said, Hey, I'm gonna go to the store and we're like, All right bye and so we're in the you know, just kind of probably three fourths of the way through this movie when she comes home. And she didn't do it she just walked in the door from the garage. And oh we screamed and jumped and ran and hid and, and uh, anyway it's kind of funny. <laughs> bunch of teenagers getting scared by their mom. So if you haven't seen this movie before, you really need to watch it. This would be a great year to do so. So it's basically, you know, we we discussed it a little bit. It's a supernatural killer. He stalks his prey while they dream. Um, You know, and so in the movie, you know, the people are afraid to fall asleep. Um, If this is a spoiler, it's your own fault. This came out like 26 years ago, 36 years ago. Um, So it's actually based on real life inspiration. So Wes Craven had a series of newspaper art- articles for the Los Angeles times. And these newspaper articles were about some Asian refugees who had mysteriously died in their sleep. And the articles said, you know, many of these, um, these Asians would refuse to sleep because they would have these nightmares and they just knew that these nightmares would lead them to death. And, um, Wes Craven said, um, and I'm going to read the quote. He said, "said the paper never correlated, never said, hey, we've had another story like this. Um, and, you know, and, it, and it kept happening, it kept happening, but they never correlated them. Um, one of them was the son of a physician, and he was about 21, um, and he was in Laos, Cambodia. Everyone said, everyone in the family said almost the exact same thing. They said, you must sleep. And he said, no, you don't understand. I had nightmares before, and this is different. Um, I mean you've had nightmares everyone's had nightmares and when you wake up you're like ooh that was a bad dream but something about these dreams that he was having was just not right Um, they actually gave him some sleeping pills and told him to take them and they believe he did but he still didn't go to sleep so we don't know if if he actually took them or not Um, and they're not sure how many days that it was that he actually stayed awake but it was some phenomenal amount And if you've ever read anything about sleep deprivation, the longer you go, kind of the weirder you get, and you can actually kind of go crazy if you don't sleep for a long time. But they think that he didn't sleep for about six or seven days. And so finally he was watching television with the family, and he just fell asleep. You know, you figure if you haven't slept much for six or seven days, eventually you're probably just going to fall asleep. And everyone was like, oh, you know, thank goodness. And they literally had to carry him upstairs to bed because he was an adult and he, you know, you, know, you even pick up a toddler that's asleep, and they feel like they weigh about a 1,000 pounds. So they, they carried him upstairs to bed, and everyone went to bed thinking, you know, phew, this is over, he'll get some good sleep, um, this will be done. And in the middle of the night, they heard screaming, they heard crashing, they ran into the room, and by the time they got there, he was dead. Um, so they had a, an autopsy performed, because they were thinking, what in the heck? Um, there was no heart attack, there was, there was nothing this autopsy that could explain his death. It was absolutely unexplained. Um, In his closet, you know, after he died, and they are kind of cleaning up after him, they found a Mr. Mr. Coffee Maker that was full of hot coffee that he'd used to to stay awake because he was so afraid of going to sleep. They also found all the sleeping pills that they thought he had taken, but he'd spit them back out and hid them. And Wes Craven said this was just such an incredible, dramatic story that... um, He said he kind of, he mulled over it for almost a year and then um, kind of came up with the idea of Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: Johnny Depp's first movie.
1: (laughs) Was he even in that? He was in that? Yeah, Johnny Depp. Yeah.
0: He was the boyfriend.
1: I'm going to have to watch that again.
0: Uh, He's in the scene in the waterbed where Freddy's hand comes up and like comes towards him and then basically just like sucks him into the bed and just a whole fountain of blood flies up to the ceiling.
1: I pretty much just remember my friend's mom coming in the door and screaming. And <laughs> first movie Johnny Depp was in. No, I do remember bits and pieces of it, and it's a it's a good movie.
0: Oh, I like that whole series. I have a, I have the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series as well.
1: I think I watched the first two. And then for me, I don't know. For me, a lot of times you start getting that three and four, and they start getting cheesy. So I Yeah, just, they do. But... I only to watch the first one or two, usually.
0: So the next one on the list is actually... Uh... One, I, I just watched the remake, and the remake is terrible.
1: You were only six when you watched this.
0: I was, I, well, I was six when it came out. Um,
1: okay. I don't know okay, how old no, I that was when I watched right. it, but...
0: 1988? 1988. 1988. They did a remake in 2019. Mark Hamill did the voice of the doll. So is Luke. So Luke did the voice of the doll in the remake, which wasn't that good. So was he whiny? But no, actually, he wasn't. Um, was
1: he, was he was No, he because scary? Mark
0: Hamill also does the Joker. But this one is Child's Play from 1988. Um, the well, premise of this movie is, is a serial killer soul possesses a toy doll and then wreaks havoc and kills people. Um, now, th- I was kind of surprised when I found out this is actually based on actual events. So the real-life inspiration for this now, movie...
1: I thought it was going to be Annabelle, but it's not.
0: It's not? I don't even think Annabelle's on this list. She's not. Because um, the, the Annabelle storyline is all fabricated. Um, sort of, for the most part. Anyways, so the inspiration for this particular movie was in 1909, uh, a Key West painter and author, uh, Robert Eugene Otto, claimed that one of his family member servants... Placed a voodoo curse on his childhood toy, Robert the Doll.
1: Okay, now I have to. I've I'm actually rep- heard
0: of Robert the Doll. We, we talked about him on one of our episodes with uh, Gary and Mike when they were still on the show.
1: It's interesting. So we were coming home with my um, daughter the other day and she pointed out some kid on the road she didn't like. And joking, because I, I have dark humor, I'm like, You don't like him? Well, we can go home and make a voodoo doll and like poke him in the kidney or something. And she's like, Mom. And I thought, you know, other kids would have laughed. My kids are afraid that I might actually do something like that. You probably would.
0: Um, (laughs) Anyway, sorry. But yeah, so Robert the doll, uh, supposedly he, the doll would mysteriously move from room to room, uh, knocking over furniture and conduct conversations with Otto. Robert the doll was left in the attic until Otto's death in 1974 when new owners moved in into his uh, Florida home. Now, the new family also claims mysterious activities would happen in the house connected to the doll. Uh, today, Robert the doll is on display at a Key West Fort East uh, Martello Museum.
1: That would be fun to go see.
0: Now, we were I,
2: doing some research on this the other night for um, our other topic that we were going to do, and Robert the doll came up in that. And he's kind of a creepy-looking doll. He is very creepy-looking. Um you know and it, it, it's very interesting but for that to be kind of the the inspiration for Chucky um, is, is kind of a neat thing that it, it's based upon an actual um, situation huh. don't you remember Robert the doll when we were watching that
1: vaguely so, okay. sometimes, when, sometimes when we've got the TV on when, when I research I have to sit and read stuff because I have to see it um, Don he can usually just hear it, so sometimes if I'm just listening, things can go away.
0: Yeah, this doll, <laughs> I remember when we were talking about it on the episode, um, when Gary showed me the picture of the doll, I just had this, like, really bad, like, the whole energy in the house just shifted... And I'm just like, you need to put that away. Like, we're done talking about this.
1: <laughs> creepy doll, creepy doll. No, I'm going to have to definitely look it up now because now I'm intrigued. Although
0: when I was watching videos earlier and uh, Brandy saw Robert the Doll, she just kind of looked at it like there's nothing special about this. So
1: <laughs> She sees all sorts of creepy things, so, so she's probably like, eh.
0: So, yeah, next up on the list we have ni- we- 1979.
2: The Amityville Horror. And we've talked about this recently. Um, the premises: a young family moves into a house where the murder was committed and experiences terrifying and strange occurrences. Um, it, it's based upon a real-life story. Uh, it's based on the book by the same name, The Amityville Horror, and it follows paranormal events that terrorized the Lutz family in 1975. The family moved into the home where, unbeknownst to them, Ronald DeFeo Jr. had brutally murdered his family 13 months before they had arrived. While in their new home, the family claimed that they saw green slime on the walls, red eyes, pigs staring into their kitchen and living room. And after less than a month, the Litz family moved out of the small town of Amityville. Amityville. I can't even talk, Amityville, New York.
1: Yeah, and this is one that um, Ed and Lorraine Warren actually worked on.
0: Yeah, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, I believe this is the case that they were working on when Lorraine said something about our life's now belong to Warner Brothers. Um, this, this was like one of the first like heavily, um, mainstream cases that were put out there. Like the news covered it. They had brought in other mediums as well. And, uh, we did an episode on this about a year ago and we discussed more in detail about this particular case and with the DeFeo family and with the Lutz family and, um, I, my opinion on this one is I think the whole thing with the DeFeo family that, I mean, obviously happened, and I think there was something at play there. But when it came to the Lutz family, I'm still kind of on the side that I think they were doing it for the money and the fame.
1: Right. So, not saying
0: that the house isn't haunted, just
1: it got a little blown out of proportion. I believe so. So, when I was in high school, I got the book Amityville Horror and took it home and read it. Um, And when I get into a book, I'll read it until I'm done. And So I read until like 3 in the morning, finished the book, then couldn't sleep for days. If I read it now, I'd be like, eh. But when I was in in high school, I was terrified.
0: This is one of those movies where I do think the remake is actually better than the original. I think the Ryan Reynolds version of Amityville Horror that came out like 2005 or whatever it was, I think that's actually better than the original.
1: So, number four on our list is Psycho, and this came out in 1960, and this is one of those classic, you know, there's all sorts of lines, and, and I, I can't make the, the sound, but the you know, and the knife, you know, the knife silhouette in the... Shower curtain. I know, that was a really pathetic noise. You're both looking at me like I've just lost my, my mind, but you guys know what I mean, kind of that dissonant sound, anyway, you know. Um, so, the premise is that there's a secretary that goes on the run, because she's stolen $40,000... And, you know, she doesn't want to get caught and taken to jail. And she winds up in a motel, but the motel, you know, um, the innkeeper and his mother are not as, you know, sweet and charming as they, they might appear to be at first. Um, and this there's a real-life inspiration for this. Um, it's actually loosely based on a convicted murderer and grave, grave robber by the name of Arid Gein.
0: Ed, Ed Gain.
1: Okay. It looks like Gein.
0: It's Keen. It's Ed Keane.
1: No, I, I believe you. Um, in the late 50s, he would kill women. He would unearth corpses in Wisconsin. Um, and then he did this awesome thing. He was, he was crafty. And he would fashion human skin into tiny keepsakes and knickknacks like face masks and belts and chair coverings, um, which is something that they do. I've done a lot of research on um, grave robbers in uh in Scotland in the early eighteen hundreds, you know about eighteen twenties. And um they actually when there was two that were very popular whose names are just completely Birkenhair. Hair. Burke and Hare, thank you. Yeah, well we did an episode on them too. I know, William Burke and William Hare. And when when one of them was executed they actually turned his skin into like a wallet and a book cover. Anywho, um so when, when Psycho's novelist Robert Block um, based, you know, his movie around this um, circumstance, um, you know, he changed it from a grave robber and a murderer into a serial killer who dressed like his mother. Um, and it, it also kind of gives kind of a shout out to the movies uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Silence of the Lambs um, are also based on um, serial killers as in Leatherface and Buffalo Bill.
0: Yeah, the reason for that one is, um, so with Ed Gein, this dude actually, and we did an episode on this one as well, but Ed Gein actually would hear his mother's voice telling her to do stuff, which is where Norman Bates came from. Um, the, the creating, um, clothing and, and other things, well, not clothing, but the, uh, artifacts like lance and, and wallets and stuff like that out of bones and, and stuff like that. That's where Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes in. Because um, they actually had the family do that in that movie. And then when you get into uh, Buffalo Bill, Buffalo Bill was someone that was kidnapping women, larger women, and starving them, and then making dresses out of their clothes. And that's these are all things that Ed Gein actually did. This dude was kind of twisted.
1: And not the actual Buffalo Bill. The actual Buffalo Bill was an old west.
0: He
2: didn't do Performer. that.
1: That's a, This is a no, different. No,
0: for, for Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. <laughs>
1: this is a different Buffalo Bill.
0: So, the next one on our list.
2: Well, no, I want to talk about this in just a little more. Oh,
0: yeah, go ahead. There, there's a new version
2: of this, which is not as good as Hitchcock's 1960 version. Um, the black and white 1960 version is, is really awesome and, and quite, um, compelling and, and it'll pull you in. It's a psychological thriller. And again, it's not special effects or those kinds of things that stray straying on this. It's, it's the way that the story's told and the, the build up. It's a little bit of a slower build for some of the newer, um, moviegoers. You need to kind of, you know, not expect the flashes and bangs and all of the special effects, but you get into the story and it's really a, a powerful story. And, and I, I prefer the, the original Hitchcock version to the newer version.
0: You know, they shot it exactly the same scene for scene, word for word, like, did just really? different actors yeah it uh-huh. was uh, I believe Vince Vaughn played Norman Bates and Anne Hesh was the uh, secretary
1: yeah, and again I haven't but seen
0: but I, I do agree with Don the original the Hitchcock version is a lot better which is you think it's funny because like same script everything they just recreated the movie shot for shot used the same script and everything but just the way it was done back then was a lot better than, than the remake
1: I've got a lot of movies I need to watch
0: I own most of these movies, actually.
1: Sweet.
0: Uh, so, next up on the list, we have The Exorcist from 1973. Uh, the premise of this movie is two Catholic priests perform an exorcism on a young girl who is possessed by the devil. Uh, now, the real-life inspiration for The Exorcist, uh, the author and screenwriter, William Peter uh, Bla- Blatty, uh, based the novel on a, and, and film sorry, on a 1949 article that was in the Washington Post headlined, Priest Freeze, Mount Rainer Boy reported held in devil's grips. Uh, now, the article followed uh, Jesuit priest William S. Bodron, Edward Hughes, Raymond J. Bishop, and Walter H. Halleron uh, participating in the rite of exorcism on a boy with the pseudonym Ronald Doe in Maryland. Now, according to the priest, they allegedly experienced the boy speaking in tongues, the bed shaking and hovering and objects flying around during the ordeal. The exorcism was one of the three official Catholic Church sanctioned exorcisms in the United States at the time. Now, maybe one day they'll discover the cause of what happened to that young man, but back then, it was only curable by exorcism, uh, said William uh, Fred Friedrich, uh, the director of the exorcist, uh, when he told when he did an interview with uh, Time Out. Now, he also said... His family weren't even Catholics. They were Lutheran. They started with doctors and then psychiatrists and then psychologists, and then they went to their minister who couldn't help them. Uh, they wound up with the Catholic Church. The Washington Post article says that the boy was possessed and exercised, uh, and that's pretty out on a limb for a national newspaper to put on its front page, but you're not going to see that on the front page of an intelligent newspaper unless there's really something there.
1: Right. Especially back at that time. Um, You know, the further back you go, the less excited they are to to talk about exorcisms. And so you're doing that, you know, in the 1940s. And so you got to say, hmm, that must have been, must have actually been something.
2: So the next one was The Girl Next Door, number six. It's a movie that was done in 2007. And the premise is that an aunt tortures and abuses her nieces and her niece and a neighborhood boy uh, fails to alert the authorities and this is based upon the Jack Ketchum novel of the same name the girl next door and is based upon the murder of Sylvia Likens, a 16 year old girl from Indiana in 1965. Sylvia and her sister Jenny were left in the care of her aunt Gertrude Beneskiewski, and I'm sure I murdered that, uh, a family friend and and their parents uh, when their parents left town um, as a traveling cardinal, carnival workers, so that's kind of weird too. You, you know, parents are traveling car- carnival workers, you leave your kids with the neighbor. Along with her children and a few neighborhood kids, uh, they locked Sylvia in the basement where they tortured and abused her until she died of a brain hemorrhage and malnutrition. So.
1: Well, that's just sad.
2: That that movie is is based on on those events. So, um, yeah, don't leave your kids alone with strange neighbors.
1: I don't think I want to watch that. That's creepy.
0: That one, I think I'm going to look into. I've never heard of that one.
1: <laughs> Tim and I will never watch a movie together. I'm like, I'm not watching that. Tim's like, ooh, is that me? Up. Well, it was
0: like when we did the torture <laughs> device episode. All of you were just like, I felt really disturbed researching this, and I'm like, am I the only one that had no problems? Like, I I found it fascinating how creative oh, people. It came was up fascinating.
1: With. <laughs> it was just dark. All right. So the next one on our list is the Conjuring, um, and it doesn't have the Conjuring two on here, but. I don't know. In my mind, those can kind of be lumped together. You're going to throw them together. I'm going to throw them together. Just, I don't know. Anyway, but The Conjuring came out in 2013. So the premise of this is two paranormal investigators help a family who's moved into a secluded home, which is plagued by weird events. Okay. So it's pretty much just, a, you know, a residential investigation that goes, goes really bad. Um. So the inspiration on this is based on real life paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And this is just one of the experiences they have. And I think that's why I lump them together, because The Conjuring 2, while it's a different story, is one that Ed and Lorraine Warren took care of. Um, So this is the Perrin family. Is it Perrin or Perron? Perrin. Um, And we actually, we did an episode on this, and we actually had um, one of the the daughters, uh, her name is, is... Andrea. Andrea. I knew it started with an A. We actually sat down and talked with her, and she is... Such a nice lady. She's
0: the sweetest lady ever. She's just like that loving grandma that you wish you always had.
1: I had never met her, and she just like gives me this big old bear hug like she's known me since I was an infant. Oh, she was
0: hugging everybody. She's an awesome, awesome lady.
1: It was, that was a really, really fun. Um, If you haven't listened to that episode, you need to go find it. So, we did an
0: episode where we reviewed The Conjuring, and then like two weeks later, we actually got to meet Andrea and had her on the show. She was the oldest daughter in the movie.
1: Yeah, and she was, she was fabulous. Anyway, um, so the parent family moved into this farmhouse in rhode island and they just experienced a lot of um activity that was just terrifying in 1971 and the only thing i don't like about these movies is it makes it look like everything happens within a week but it's actually you know goes over a much longer Ten period years. of time yep.
0: she said they lived in the house for 10 years and most of it happened within the first five years
1: right so um the director james wan said when insidious came out and was really successful um just the story of the Warrens kind of came to him and he thought, wow, this is really cool. You know, maybe I can actually do this. Um, And he actually, you know, he told this to Entertainment Weekly when they interviewed him about the movie. But he said, I didn't want to just make another ghost story or another supernatural film. Um, You know, he he said, I I'd never really thought about doing one that was based on real characters and real people. And so that's kind of what, um, what he told Entertainment Weekly that led him to The Conjuring. Um, and then, as you all know, because you've heard us talk about it a million times, the Warrens also did Conjuring Two. They also did um, the possessed Raggedy Ann doll that inspired the film Annabelle. Um, and it'd be fun to see, interesting to see if they do any more of the Warrens cases.
0: oh uh, yeah, they're working on a Conjuring Three.
1: <gasps> Are they really? Mm-hmm. I need to see that. And I guess the Nun. I haven't seen yeah, that one yet. Yeah, that I one's man. That's
0: that one's all made up as well, but. Just the Conjuring and Conjuring 2 are based on actual events. Annabelle is completely fabricated for the most part. I mean, there was a haunted doll.
1: The movie. I mean, the haunted doll, there is such a thing, but the movie was very, very loosely based. Oh,
0: Speaking of which, there was an article that came out about two months ago that was claiming that the Annabelle doll had vanished and escaped, basically. Um, I don't know if anyone saw that, but that was actually a hoax. That never actually happened. It was just moved to a different location.
1: Oh, I didn't hear that, but I'm glad to hear that it's not out wandering free. (laughs) That would be terrifying.
0: Yeah. For the most part, yeah, it would be. If you see a Raggedy Ann doll walking down the street, just Just go the other other direction.
1: (laughs) Turn around. With her little knapsack on her back.
0: (laughs) They're made of fluff. They're not supposed to walk. (laughs) Um, So the next movie we have on the list is from 2003. It's called Open Water. Uh, the premise of this movie is that two scuba divers become stranded in shark-infested waters after their tour group accidentally leaves them behind. Uh, Another real-life inspiration for this movie uh, it was based on American tourist Tom and Eileen uh, Longren, a uh, couple who were lost at sea when their tour group left them behind while scuba diving near the Great Barrier Reef in Australia in 1998. Uh, when the diving company realized the mistake two days later they organized a search party but they were never the couple was never found uh, the only thing that was found was a diver slate which is an underwater communication device with an SOS message on it that read uh, Monday January 26 1998 at 8 a.m to anyone who can help us we have been abandoned on a gin court reef by MV outer Eagle 25. Uh, January ninety eight three p.m. Please help! Come to rescue us before we die! Help! Oh Creepy. So yeah, that would be a uh, that'd be crazy. I, I've seen the trailers. I've never actually seen the movie, but like, yeah, I guess they dove underwater and they came back up, and their boat's gone.
2: Yeah, I've seen the movie, and it's it really gets you to think about you know those kinds of things and the idea of, of being left in a situation where you really have no control over over what you're doing.
1: So this movie is not on the list, but um, the one I'm going to talk about, but it reminds me of this open water movie, and that's the movie Frozen. And I'm not talking about the Disney Frozen, <laughs> you know, with the with the princesses. I'm talking about, it's a different Frozen. It's older. Um, and it, they've actually filmed it at Sundance, um, but it's about some people that, um, I think there's four, four or six people, and they're on the ski lift, and... Um, the ski lift company didn't check to make sure everyone was off the ski lift, and it just is their story. And it's um,
2: they left them there all night.
1: And I don't think it's based on. I mean, I think it's completely fabricated. But it's it's supposed to be a not horror, but
2: drama, drama, suspense,
1: suspense. You know, a little bit of psychological stuff going on in there, and, and just how they how they get out of the. I won't I won't ruin it for you if you haven't seen it, but it's it's spooky. I don't like that one. It yeah, creeps but, me out. I have to watch Dexter afterwards to calm down. <laughs> There's a story there. <laughs> you just see Tim looking at me.
0: You watch Dexter to calm down. <laughs> yes. We're
2: watching Game of Thrones and
1: And I liked Game of Thrones. I loved Game of Thrones. It just is intense.
2: And it was too intense. And so she says, Let's watch something Light. Light. Like Dexter. <laughs> right. I watched Turbo. <laughs>
0: I watch Disney when I want to calm down. No. I don't put on a show about a serial killer that hunts and kills people.
1: Yeah, I just the extra weekend. I just use that to calm down. Okay. <laughs> no one will ever hang out with me ever again now.
0: If I had only known. <laughs> You're stuck with her, bud. Mm.
2: So number nine <laughs> is The Blob, 1958. And I find this kind, kind of interesting because I've seen... Uh, the 1958 version of this movie, and then I think there was one done in either the 70s or the 80s with Kurt, Kurt Russell, um, which was quite a good one, too. But the premise of this movie is that uh, alien life form terrorizes a small town and consumes everything in its path as it grows bigger and bigger. The real-life inspiration is that The Blob is based on a New York Times article from 1950 titled, A saucer floats to Earth and Theory is Dished Up. The story followed the Philadelphia police officer who came in contact with a strange gooey material, which is believed to be star jelly, and now a transparent gelatinous substance. When one of the officers tried to go to move the goo, it started to dissolve and evaporate, so there was nothing to show the FBI when they arrived except uh, a spot on the ground. So it's kind of interesting, and and from that premise, they they built a, a, a movie around it. But the idea that there was a material there that was uh, you know, there after an incident and then uh, in the movie it's happening actually in the Arctic or Antarctic I can't remember but but uh, you know it there's a whole interesting fun movie about it and I thought both the both of the versions were fun in this one
1: so I haven't seen these movies either and I'm trying to think it it reminds me of a Stephen King novel um, there's a novel where a whole town disappears and if you haven't read it, it's your own fault. It's been out forever. Um, I can't think of the name of the book, though. But this whole city disappears, and, um, you know, kind of the same thing. There's just spots. It's
2: not the fog. <sighs> I no, Stephen King it. did The Mist. The Mist.
1: I'll, ha- I'll look it up if I can find it before we finish the podcast. I'll let you know. But it was a really good book. I didn't read very many Stephen King novels, but this one was really, really good.
2: But, yeah, The blob is a... Uh, I, I, I didn't know before that that was, you know, loosely based upon... it.
0: Uh, an incident that happened. So that- I did not either until I saw this list. I thought that was interesting. You know, there's one more movie I, I just want to touch on real quick that wasn't on the list, but I actually had someone uh, link this to me last night, actually. And I believe the three of us have all actually met this individual that this movie is based on. It's called Fire in the Sky, uh, which is actually based on true events. It's about um, the real five-day disappearance of a man named Travis Walton uh, features the single most terrifying depiction of an alien abduction ever. It is nightmarish, graphic, and truly traumatic. Uh, it's, an un- it's unfortunate that the, I guess a lot of people haven't really seen this movie, according to the uh, the post that I received. But um, I actually met him and I bought his uh, DVD documentary that he had and had him autograph it. And just kind of meeting that man. Um, you know, I've, I've always kind of struggled with the, the belief on aliens and whatnot. And But after hearing his story... It just kind of opened my eyes up a little bit to the possibility that there is something out there besides us. But yeah, this this uh, it's it's great. From what I hear, it's a great movie. I haven't seen that one yet, but uh, it's definitely on my list of things to watch this this month.
1: Okay, it's not Stephen King. It's um, it's Dean Koontz, and I still don't know what the name of the book is. But I gave you the wrong author. Sorry. It happens. Sorry, I'm looking it up for you.
0: That's okay. So I think that pretty much wraps up what our
2: primary topic was.
0: Promptu topic this week. Um, I believe Deanne had a new uh, segment she kind of wanted to roll out this week. We
1: are, and we're going to do it after the Stone of the Week. So so if you want to do the Stone of the Week first...
0: Yes. So the stone I have picked for us this week, um, I didn't do it last time because we were running a little bit long, uh, but uh, we'll be talking about Labradorite. Uh, some of the attributes is an iridescent Labradorite. It's a highly uh, mystical and protective stone uh, and a bringer of light. Now, it raises consciousness and connects with universal energies. Labradorite deflects unwanted energies from the aura and prevents energy leakage. It forms a barrier to negative energies uh, shed during therapy. It can take you into another world or into other lives. A uh, stone of historic knowledge, it facilitates intuition into the mysteries. Uh, initiation, sorry, into the mysteries. Uh, Labradorite aligns the physical and etheric bodies and is, accesses spiritual purpose. It raises consciousness and grounds spiritual energies into the physical body. This stone stimulates intuition and psychic gifts, including the art of right timing, uh, bringing messages from the unconscious mind, to the surface and facilitating their understanding. Psychologically, it banishes fears and insecurities and the psychic debris from previous disappointments, including those experienced in past lives. It strengthens faith in the self and trust in the universe. It removes other people's projections including thoughts from her thoughts forms that have hooked into the aura. Uh, Labradorite calms an overactive mind. And energizes the imagination, bringing up new ideas. Analysis and rationality are balanced with the inner sight. Uh, Labradorite brings contemplation and introspection, synthesizing intellectual thought with intuitive wisdom. It is an excellent dispeller of illusions, going to the root of a matter and showing the real intention behind thoughts and actions. This stone brings up suppressed memories from the past. Now, it is a useful companion through change, imparting strength and perseverance. A stone of transformation, it prepares body and soul for the ascension process. As a healing, uh, it treats disorders of the eye and brain, relieves stress and regulates metabolism. It treats colds, gout and uh, rheumatism, uh, balances hormones and relieves menstrual tension and lowers blood pressure. Uh, It can also be used as a witness during radionic treatment Pinpointing the cause of the dis- dis-ease. Uh, when you're wearing it, you want to wear it over the higher heart chakra or hold as appropriate. Uh, specific colors, in addition to the generic attributes, the following has additional properties. Uh, yellow Labradorite accesses the highest levels of consciousness, enhances visualization, uh, trance, clairvoyance, and channeling. It is beneficial for the solar plexus chakra and expands the mental body, bringing in higher wisdom. It heals the stomach, spleen, liver, gallbladder, and adrenal glands. Uh, you want to place this on your third eye solar plexus or hold. And again, that is Labradorite.
1: Well, that sounds like a good one. Sorry, I was looking for that book and I can't find it. So, anyway, if you're a Dean Koontz fan and you know which one I'm talking about, let me know. So we're going to do a new segment. So we used to do bizarre paranormal news, but bizarre paranormal news is really, really hard to find. If anybody runs across some and would like to share it, we can still do some of those. But every time I type in bizarre, weird, or wacky, um, it just gives you normal paranormal stuff. Where it's like, that's not weird. That's that's normal. So we decided to do try out a new little segment called the Paranormal Bucket List. And the bucket list is going to be about places we would like to go. Some of these can probably turn into segments later. We're going to keep it very short. It could be... Um, it could be an item of equipment you want or someone in the paranormal world that you would love to see or a movie you want to see. Anyway, we're just going to take turns. So since this is the first one, we, I'll could, just it. It could off also
2: with, be um, something that we'd actually like to see that we've already covered on a previous podcast.
1: Right. So, yeah, if it's something that we've already covered as a topic, we can refer you to the topic. Um, so uh, my bucket list, and I, I don't know that we've done this before or not but I would love to go to the vaults in Edinburgh now I have been to Edinburgh twice two times mind you I was right there and I didn't go to the vaults and so one of these days I want to go back to Edinburgh and visit the vaults Um, there's vaults and then there's winds I don't know if they pronounce it winds or wines, but they spell it w-y-n-d-s and they're all sorts of creepy haunted. Um, I know that Ghost Adventures did a um, an episode down in the vaults. They are all sorts of creepy spooky haunted. But that is on my paranormal bucket list. And next week, we will have someone else tell you what's on their bucket list. And if you would like to let us know what is on your bucket list, um, give us an email and we can give you a shout out. And, um, so everybody so can where hear. do they email to? They email to... I don't know. Where do we email? Oh, we need to pause this out. I should know our email. Pause it.
2: (laughs) So where is it that they should uh, contact us on for this?
0: Uh, So the email that you can contact us on is apps.wisps.media at gmail.com.
1: Apps.wisps.media.com. Awesome. At gmail.com. I'm sorry. Gmail.com. Holy cow.
0: <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have for you this week. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: And if you do watch some of these um, movies that we've talked about, and you've got some comments. Send us those as well. well. We'd love to share those with listeners.
0: If you like them, you're welcome. If you don't like them, it's Deanne's fault.
1: I'll do that. Just kidding. I, I messed stuff up a lot. So Blame the directors. I, I I can do that. I can take that. Watch Watch in the Woods, though. I'm going to.
0: Yes
2: so on advancedparanormal.com right now we don't have any active events but we've got some things planned for november december and january we've got a really great one for january coming up so um, be watching the site we'll be having some things as we're able to solidify uh, dates on that we've already got the venue um booked booked but we're just looking at dates on on when we'll work Um, but it's it's a great venue we've been there before but not in a long time.
1: And we're going to keep it secret for now, just for suspense.
0: Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Super secret. Super secret.
1: secret. All righty. We will talk to you guys later.
0: Peace out, butterflies. You've been listening to The Supernatural Hour at advancedparanormal.com. The Supernatural Hour is part of the Radio Ronan Network found at radioRonan.com.